Praise the Lord. Okay, so what I am attempting in the youth group now is to go through the entire book of John. This is going to be crazy, guys. You guys are going to learn everything Jesus did in the book of John. Now, watch what I'm going to do on Sundays with the whole familia. On Sundays, because I also pastor the adult church, we're going through the whole book of Matthew. So, dude, there is not going to be any confusion to what that man was about. You are going to read word for word the entire book of John in Friday Youth Group and on Sundays, Matthew. Now, I'm assuming it's going to probably take me two years. So some of you guys who are here right now, by the time we get to the last book of John where he goes, the end, you're going to have, like, beards and mustaches and everything and be, like, be like working big jobs and stuff, man, and be like, hey, I remember back when when they first started, dude. You know what I'm saying? So just remember this right now. Every week you come, if you want to know what Poppy's going to teach, all you have to do is go to the Gospel of Juan and then read where we left off. And you can say, oh, yeah, that's where Joe's going to be this week, okay? So right now we're going to start in the Gospel of John. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Gospel of John, and then we're going to read our first portion. Wrong way, my fault. Hey, we got the, uh, the wrong slide thing up here. Can you hook me up, please? While he's doing that, I want you guys to look at your first question because I'm going to teach you guys the purpose, the date, and the author of the book of John. Thank you, Mon Frere. <laughs> okay. The book was written by John, the youngest of Jesus' disciple. So the reason why it's called John, uh, John's Gospel is because John wrote it. Now, this John is not the same John as John the Baptist. There's like two Johns in the Bible. So the dude that you're going to read about in just a few minutes, named John, is not the John who wrote the book of John. Not to confuse you guys, but John the Apostle. How many disciples did Jesus have? Everybody say 12. Now, what's so cool about Jesus, you all got to get this right now. This is going to blow you away. When Jesus started his ministry, do you know how old he was? He was 30 years old. You know how old I am? 30 years old. Now, I'm not trying to make a comparison between him and, him and I right now. I'm just showing you. So think about me. I'm a 30-year-old man. I'm not very old. That's what Jesus was. He was just a 30-year-old man. Sometimes we think about Jesus being old like the Pope and a beard and all that. No, Jesus was a young man. He was cool and he was hip. And you know what? When he picked 12 disciples, some of his disciples were young. And John was the youngest. They guessed that John, when he first met Jesus, was probably 16 years old. John was a teenager. His brother Andrew was a little bit older in his 20s, but these guys were young. Now, Peter was in his 40s, and some of the other men were older, like Matthew, probably in his 40s, 50s, etc. But I want you to understand this. You can get into the Bible. You can get into this because the guy who wrote this started off in this at your age. Okay, so his name was John. He's the last writer of the Gospels because Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke all wrote theirs first. And Jesus left the earth around 30 A.D. So he writes his last around 90 A.D. So think about this. If he was 16 when he met Jesus and Jesus left the earth around 30 A.D. and now it's 90 A.D., how old is he? Around his 70s and 80s. So now John is an old man. Now John is old. And what John is doing here is John is writing this last gospel to be like, hey, guys, you've, you've heard Matthew's story, you've heard Luke and Mark, but I want to tell you mine because I'm the last living apostle, and I want you to see how awesome Jesus was. So just think about that. That's what this man's writing this book. He was a teenager, and now at the end of his life, he's writing the last story about Jesus like, this is how awesome this guy was. 
Now look, verse uh, chapter 20 of, of John 30 and 31 verses, he talks about the reason why he wrote the book. And here it is. Jesus did many other miraculous signs. This is at the end, by the way. In the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So he says, dude, Jesus did so many other things that I couldn't even talk about. He's like, I couldn't even write all these things. Verse 31. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the who? Everybody say Christ. Let's not say it as a swear word, but say how it's meant to be said. Jesus is the? So Jesus Christ is who the man is. And Christ is a position, and I'll talk about that later. It says, I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Everybody say, Son of God. Thank you. And that by believing, you may have life in his what? So John says, I'm writing you this so that you can hear about some of the miracles he did. John's book has more miraculous things happening in his 20 chapters than Matthew does in 28 chapters. John just starts right off in chapter 1 talking about how awesome Jesus is. And Matthew and Mark and Luke, they start off with the begats, which is kind of like genealogy. It's like Gary had a son and his name was Bob and Bob's son was this and he has all those names. Anybody ever read that before? That's called the begats because begat means to give birth. So it's like Gary gave birth to a son, so on and so forth. But you know, John, John doesn't start off with all that. John doesn't tell the story about Jesus as a little boy, little Dito Jesus. No. John starts off in the first verses. You're going to learn, hey, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This man is God. That's how he starts off. And so when we meet new Christians, and especially new young adults here right now that many of you didn't grow up in Sunday school, don't know much about the Bible, or it wasn't taught to you correctly, we always want to encourage you, start in the book of John. Because John does not waste any time. It's like a fast-moving book. It's very exciting. And it's all about what he said he was going to make it about, showing you he's the Christ. He's not an ordinary dude. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. No, this guy was the Christ. He was the Son of God. Somebody say, preach it! Okay, now turn in your Bible to John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. So the three facts about the book. The date, 90 A.D. The author, John, Jesus' disciple, the youngest. The purpose, so that people would believe in Jesus as the Son of God. There you go. Now, questions number two through seven are all going to be titled at the top in just a few moments. Right now, I'm going to read all of the passages of Scripture from verse 1 to 18, but then I'm going to break them down. Somebody say, break it down. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it. That's how I break it down. No, I'm just kidding. Then I'm going to break it down and show you what each little part teaches, like a part of the puzzle. So now we're going to read 18 verses. If you're all ready, somebody say, bring it. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness where the darkness has not understood it. You see how deep this man is? I mean, he's just deep right now. He's not talking about Mary, saw the angel Gabriel, and he was born in a manger. He's like, man, this guy is God, and the world is in darkness, and he's coming to save the whole world. Look at that. Bam. Verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. This is not the John who wrote the book. This is the other fellow named John the Baptist. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe, all men might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So John came to talk about Jesus and to point to Jesus. He was a forerunner to Jesus. He came before him. He was the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he was like, get ready, y'all. Fuego's coming down on this earth. Jesus is going to baptize you with some fire. We'll get into that later. Verse 10. He was in the world, now talking about Jesus, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So people didn't believe in him. Verse 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Everybody say, born of God. Oh, come on. Look at verse 14. It's getting good. The Word became flesh. So that one we were all reading about called the Word, the Greek for that is Logos. And you have to understand the Greek philosophers of this time and the time of Jesus were all deep. And they were saying before there was ever matter, there was thought. And they called the thought the Logos. And they said everything came from Logos. And here John knew their philosophy. And so he's saying, hey, guys, you know you Greek philosophers? You're all talking about energy, man, and the Logos, the Word. Hey, his name is Jesus! And he came on this earth. Woo! The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries, saying this, This is of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side has made him known some may say the word came in the flesh now the first thing that we're going to learn right here is the word is deity and the word is god so number one or number two rather what does john 1 1 teach that the word is god it's the first thing you're going to learn when john starts off chapter one verse one bada bing bada boom jesus the word is god in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look at those little commas. The first part, in the beginning was the Word. That means Jesus, also known as the Word, existed before time was ever even around. What does the first verse of Genesis say? In the beginning, right? The first verse of John says, in the beginning was the Word. So before time was even time, before there was ever even a universe, a galaxy, Jesus was already there. He was already there before there was anything to be there with him. He was there by himself. See, one of the things that you're going to learn when you read the Bible is that God is one God. We don't worship many gods, but God is revealed in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I who have been brought up in a Christian nation, and we've seen you know, all these churches talk about it, it's not uncommon for us to know about this and to hear, oh, Jesus is God, so is the Father, Holy Spirit, etc. But back in this day, all they knew was the father they didn't know there was a son they didn't know there was a holy spirit and now john is like breaking it on them he's like guys in the beginning back when genesis was started back when this thing was created there was this person called the word and everybody's like okay well 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 well, who's the word and it says and the word was with god okay so that means god's here and then the word is next to him and then it says and they're like okay i'm following that maybe the word's an angel or something and then it says and the word was god pop Their brain cells just popped right there. It's like, hold on, we only know the Father as being God. We only know 
God being the person of the Father. But now there's another person called the Word, who you're going to see later on. His name is Jesus, that's also with God. You see, that is the beginning of the Trinitarian uh, doctrine right here. And look how John just so simply says it to them. He's like, you all have always believed in the Father, but there is this person that you have not known about whose name is Jesus, but I'm going to call him the Word before I get you there because I'm going to teach you how deep this man is. He's the Word because he's existed before he even had a body. See, when people saw Jesus, they thought Jesus, you know, oh, that came from Mary's womb. He's the son of Joseph. They thought Jesus was just a man, and maybe at best Jesus was a prophet. But right now here, John is springing it on them. Hey, man, this guy you knew as Jesus that was 30 years old, he would get tired, sometimes have to eat because he would get hungry. This guy existed before he ever came down to earth, and he was known as the Word. Is that deep for you all? Oh, you all ain't getting it then. Somebody say, Jesus is the Word, and the Word is God. See, that's right there, John chapter 1, verse 1. You just learned something. Jesus is God. Now let's move to the next one. John chapter 1, 2, and 3 keep going. It says, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Wow, listen to that. Right now, John is beginning to say, Hey, all that that happened in the book of Genesis, guess who was doing all of that? Who is he saying was doing all that? The Word. Somebody say the Word. And who's the Word? Oh, y'all slow right now. i got to help you out with this. Yeah, y'all going to get it. That's why I got till 11 o'clock tonight, 7 to 11, baby. Okay, so we're going to work through this. I'm going to say it again. When we go to Genesis and we see that God created the world, now in John there is this person helping God create the world who's also God, and he is the Word whose name is Jesus, and he's equal with God. You all getting it now? In the, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So back in Genesis, earth was made through Jesus, commonly known as the Word right now. The water's made through Jesus. When we get to man being made in the image of God, whose image were we made in? Jesus' image. He was more than just a man. He is the God-man. He's always existed in his, his eternal spiritual nature. But when he came to earth, he just put on an earth suit. Like we would put on a space suit to go to, uh, to Mars and to the moon. He put on an earth suit and he covered his glory to come down and be with us. This man is worthy of our worship. He is God in the flesh. Keep going. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. All angels were made because of Jesus. Everything on this earth was made because of Jesus. All of the galaxies. They say right now we have over a billion stars in our galaxy. And there's over a billion galaxies with a billion stars for infinity. And the, uh, and the universe is still expanding right now. They have not found an end to this universe. All of this was made through who? Jesus. And what are they calling him here? The Word. That is awesome. So the second point you learn is that Jesus created all of creation. He's not just a man. He is the God-man. Let's keep on going. John 4 through 5. Skipping over the parts about John the Baptist and going just to Jesus' parts. We see in him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
You see, what the Bible's teaching us is that when you and I were given a soul, that which separates us from animals, from that very beginning with Adam and Eve, the fact that they had free will, they could make a decision. Animals just live on instinct. They don't contemplate things like, like we do called morality. They don't contemplate things for the meaning of life. Animals just kind of go and do what they do. Are you listening to me? When we were given a soul, that soul was the light of our life. God could have let us just be another animal. He could have let us dwell in ignorance, but he turned a light on in us called our soul. So it says in him was life. So he had that in him and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So that means this world is dark. And since Adam and Eve have sinned, this place is really dark, and yet we don't understand why we are the way we are. We don't understand that we're made in the image of God. Do you know that even atheists who hate and deny God still live with some parts of God still in them called a conscience? I talk to people all the time. I debate atheists on our webcast. And I had 6,000 people one time just come listen to me debate another person. And you know what? Even an atheist can say, oh, I hate God, I hate God, I hate God. Well, then I say, hey, why do you love your, your children then? Because if you were an animal, my wife and I read about or watched on National Geographic that leopards love to eat their young. Why do you care for your young? Because there's a light inside of you. Something inside of you that makes you different than an animal, but yet you don't understand it. But this is why he came to help us. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So the first thing we learn is that Jesus the Word gave light to men. That's our soul. Jesus, Jesus the Word gives us light. That's knowledge. And even after sin, his light still shines. And he still came down to this world to be with us. Think about this. Adam and Eve sinned and fell around 4,000 B.C. Now we're living in 2000 A.D. So 6,000 years have been going on with this light and darkness, light and darkness. The battle is not between Jesus and darkness. It's between our light and the devil's darkness. Some people think that, that the devil and Jesus are like slugging it out like, you know, like Jesus comes down on earth and he's like, pff, 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 take that devil. And then the devil's like, pff, and like slaps him. And she's like, ah, you know, no. The battle's not between Jesus and the devil, man. The devil's a punk. Jesus is like, get out of here. The Bible says that when he took Satan out of heaven, he fell like lightning to the earth. It wasn't even a battle. The battle's between the light that God gave us, our conscience, our soul, between the devil. And Jesus has come to this earth to help us in that battle. Somebody say, preach it. Now look at verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So when Jesus came to the world, people didn't know who he was. People didn't fall down and worship him. One of the reasons was he put on an earth suit. His glory would have blinded us. So he comes down like man, but he begins to talk differently. He talks differently than Buddha. He talked differently than the Hindu gurus that were before him. He talked even differently than the Jewish prophets of his, own, of his own nation. He began to talk like he was God himself. He forgave people's sins. He rose people from the dead. He talked about a kingdom coming on earth where he was a king. And people still scratched their head and said, I don't believe him. You think if Jesus was here right now, it would be any different? See, a lot of you think, man, if I just saw Jesus, man, if I just saw him raise one person from the dead, man, I would believe. Listen to what the Bible says. He was in the world, and even though he made the world, the world didn't even recognize him. Do you know that there's a part that we're going to learn here in the book of John that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? There's a place here where this man gets raised from the dead. 
Then Jesus and Lazarus go to Jerusalem, and the Bible says that the Jews, the religious people, that's why we hate religion, and we hate the ideas of what religion promotes. We just want Jesus. Somebody say, I. When Jesus is in Jerusalem with the man he rose from the dead, Lazarus, you know what the Jews want to do? They want to kill him and Lazarus. They want to kill him. Man, here, the, here Jesus just rose somebody from the dead. And instead of them saying, hey, man, I'm going to start listening to this guy, you know what they say? Let's kill him. And let's kill the guy he rose from the dead. How many people know that Jesus was crucified? How many people know that you don't crucify somebody you love? The world hated Jesus. You see, you get this idea that being a Christian, everybody's going to love you. Everybody's going to want to be your friend, take you out for the los cocondules and ibarito or, you know, hamburger and hot dog, whatever. We all eat pizza right here. Look at me, baby. You think, you think everybody's just going to be like that with you? They hated Jesus. The Bible says it right here. They didn't even recognize him. Keep going. Verse 11. He came to that which his own, but his own did not receive him. But watch this. Verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. I was born from my family. I'm called a Wyrostic. That doesn't make me a child of God. Everybody is trying to teach you right now that everyone on this earth, this is called the Oprah Winfrey Gospel. This is John's Gospel, Oprah Winfrey and Tyra Banks, they got their own gospel. And you know what that is? Everybody's a child of God. No, 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 no. Until you receive him, you are a child of darkness. You are still living in this world. And the Bible says when you die, you will be punished in eternity in hell. It's only those who receive him and believe in him have the right to become children of God. It's a right that you get when you say, I believe in this man. I believe that he's more than just a man walking around doing miracles. I believe he's God in the flesh come to die for my sins. When you believe in him for who he is, you get the right to be his child. Let me give you an illustration right here. I come up to somebody's house, say Kathy right over here. I come up to your house, knock on your door, and your mom's like, who is it? And I'm like, hey, it's me, you know, Pastor Joe, I came home, came home here to eat some dinner. Your mom's going to be like, through the people, I don't know you. You ain't coming in. Right? But if I, I, she might, but how about if I had a big knife? No, she went then, right? So there would be something where your mom would be like, no, I'm not letting them in. Watch. When... I come to my family's house like I did this weekend. They leave the door unlocked. Come on in. Why? Because I have the right. Because I am born of that family. I have the right to come into their house. Sit at their table. Go into the refrigerator without permission. Some of you think you're going to go up to heaven. Hey, Jesus, I'm here. You think you're going to walk right in. Jesus is going to say, who are you? I don't know you. You don't have the right to be here. Well, I went to church. Well, I did good things in my community. Jesus is going to say, no, 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 no. Only those who believe in my name, those are the ones that are children of God. Not those who are just born to Christian families. Not those who just went out and tried to do good things. Those who received him. Have you been born of God? John chapter 3, we're going to learn that. talks about being born again. Everybody say born again. So what's the third thing that we learn right here? The Word loved man, and he lets us receive him to be born again. 
Now the next thing that we learn, John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What you see right here now is this concept of the Word now is a person that took on flesh. And now for the first time, everyone watch this, it goes from just being God in the picture to now the Father comes in. Now you understand that God is both the Father and the Son. See, anybody catch that? See right here, it says the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. You see, all up until that point, it was always just God in the Word, God in the Word. But now John is teaching you, yes, they're all uh, one God, but they are different persons. Now you see the Father is God, and you see Jesus is God. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and He was with God, the Father, and he was God equal with the Father. Now you see the persons there? You, you all got to get this. The Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. Not the glory of the Father. We saw his glory. Only one that got glory is God. But we saw his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. So we know that Jesus came. The next point is that Jesus became flesh. And then now look at verse 16 through 18. The last point here. From the fullness of His grace, His grace. Look at all the His. You see, Jesus owns these things. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So who are we blessed from? The Word. Now we know His name. What's His name? Who blesses us? Who blesses us? Y'all saying it like you're lame and tired. Shake your neighbor and say it like you mean it tonight. Who blesses us? What's His name? Jesus, from the fullness of Jesus' grace, we have received one blessing after another. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now it says no one has ever seen God, but God the one and only. We never saw God the Father, but we've seen God the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Isn't that beautiful? Did that just come together for you there right now? Are you getting some revelation from this? Are you getting some understanding of who your Jesus is? Your Jesus was up in heaven with the Father, creating all things, having light inside of men, but men love darkness. Then He Himself came down to become flesh, so that because we can't see the Father, but He came down to us, so that we could see Him and be brought back to the Father. I think that's all right. I think Jesus deserves a hand clap. I think Jesus deserves a shout. Out of praise. I think Jesus deserves your whole life and my life, and we ought to bow down and bless His name. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Woo! And those of you that still sit back with your arms like that, you will go to hell with the devil with that attitude because Jesus owes you nothing. Only the right to become children of God are those who receive Him. You want to play like you got Him already? You're a liar. You don't have Jesus. You still live like the devil. You don't live like a child of God. I remember when I first started acting crazy, getting in trouble in school, and my mom showed up at the principal's office. Boy, I didn't raise you like this. 
You ain't a part of our family. I'm ashamed of you. I remember when my mom said, I didn't even represent our name right. And some of you here calling yourself a Christian. Yeah, the devil's a liar. Got you out there backing it up, cussing with your friends, talking on your lips and gossiping at school. Man, you better live like Jesus is your Lord and Savior. People better look at you and see a difference in your life. Because who you fooling, man? Jesus is the one that makes a difference. And when you receive him, you act like a child of God. You talk like a child of God. You live like a child of God. You want a marriage like a child of God. You spend your money like a child of God. And it puts a pep in your step. you got to be different because you serve Jesus Christ, the one who came in the flesh. Jesus deserves the glory. Jesus deserves the praise. And if you're playing games with him, you have no right to go to heaven. You have no rights up there. You can't come up there and say, oh, I went to church. I prayed a prayer. I kissed the cross. I ate my magical wafer, took communion, and kissed Mother Mary's step. He's going to say, I don't know you. Get out from here. Read the Bible, somebody. But those who received him receive blessing after blessing and grace and truth. And when you find him in his eternal kingdom, he says unto you, come here to the kingdom I prepared before you, before the foundations of the world. Well done, my faithful son or daughter. Come on into my father's house. And the father's house is a great big house. Oh, hallelujah. I can't wait till when I get to heaven and get to see what it's all about up there. Bling, bling is going to have another definition. Amen. And then when the Bible says his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, if Bill Gates even makes it in, because right now he's denying God, but if he even makes it in and all he did was just become a little wannabe Christian, Bill Gates is going to be cleaning my doorstep because I'm coming there with souls. I'm coming with people who receive Jesus. And I'm going to say, Bill Gates, while you were wasting your time making those greenbacks, making that money that just goes away in dust, I was winning souls. I was preaching to Sue Ellen, Gilbert, and Leilani. And I hope that when you go up to Jesus on Judgment Day, maybe you do get in. But I hope part two comes that you receive a blessing and blessings for what you did on this earth, for who you preached to, who you prayed for, who you went out and helped and did good things in his name. Can you say amen? Now, that's just the introduction. Are you all happy? You all learning the Bible here today. So you just read 18 verses of the Bible, had it broke down to you. Now we're going to learn something from this. Are you all ready? Somebody say, preach it. Yes, I done lost my mind, but I got the mind of Christ. We're going to have some fun. So look at this. Well, I'm going to give you three points. The first point that we're going to learn right now is that the light shines in darkness, but the darkness does not understand it. You can giggle if you want, but I think it's quite... Sad and heartbreaking to see this and disgusting to see that. But the Bible says we live in darkness right now. And even when Jesus was on the earth, this woman was beat up by her husband. Hot oil was thrown on her face in a Muslim country. That's how they treat their women in some places. That's what happened to that woman. And even when Jesus walked the earth, people still abused each other. These two people right here say they're in love and say that love comes in all shapes and sizes and colors and sexes. And a man can love a man like he loves a woman. And they want to have broke back mountain together. And, and, and this is so normal now. Now, we may, we may feel pity and sorrow and, and help this woman. But then we want to give these people the freedom to live their devilish life. And we don't understand this whole world's in darkness. Now, I'm telling you, at the same way that this woman got beat, and got hot, hot oil poured on her is the same reason why Gary wants to hook up with Larry. 
It's because the world's in darkness. It's because people don't understand what they're here for. You see, if right now I said, hey, guys, let's go out and fix a car because somebody's, you know, oil needs to be changed. And you come out there with a, you know, with a chainsaw. I'm going to say, man, that tool is not made for that purpose. You try to use a chainsaw on a car, that tool will destroy that car. Sin was not part of your plan. God didn't design you to do drugs. God didn't design you. To have sex with many people. God didn't design you to be lust-filled and angry. God didn't design you to be anorexic and depressed. God didn't design you to be in drugs and gangs. And so when you do those things, you live in darkness. You're hurting your own self. You're destroying your own life. I know what it was like for me, a high school dropout at 16, and I began to destroy my life through drugs and alcohol. But each one of you can talk about what's destroyed your life because nobody's perfect here. And one of the best ways to look at it, imagine if I shut off all these lights, this place became pitch black, and I began to put out landmines and put out some sharp needles with some AIDS and infestation on it, and I said, now find your way out of here. Pitch black. The moment you start to walk and you hit something, it's over. Bam, you just stepped on that needle. You got AIDS. Stepped on that landmine, just lost your leg. People in life walking in darkness, marrying the wrong person because they can't see. Having sex with somebody because they feel it's right now trying to raise a baby. Not only is their life suffering, but somebody else is suffering because they're walking in darkness. A man begins to lust after another man. He doesn't know how to fight his own feelings, and he just gives into it because he's in darkness. You come to this church and you hide your things in your pocket, your pager with the girl that you're not supposed to be with, fellas, or your cigarettes or your drugs, and you think you're cool and everybody around you thinks they're cool because y'all walking in darkness, stepping on things and finding out the hard way that life sucks and then you die and then you fry if you don't have Jesus Christ. You'll find it out the hard way if you don't get it now. We in darkness. Jesus came on to turn, came here to turn on the light. He came, he came to point out some stuff. He calls them the commandments. And he says, hey, don't lie. Because lying will hurt you. Hey, don't have an adulterous affair. You know why? Because adultery hurts. Talk to any child right here that's not being raised by their one mom and their one dad. How they got to be shared on weekends. It hurts. Maybe mom and dad wanted to get freaky deaky one night after they shared an apartment or, or a hotel room together. But now the kids, you sitting in here, understand it's painful. Jesus said, do not commit adultery. He said, do not have any other gods before me, not your PlayStation God, not your Xbox God. You know why? Because you could sit in front of that Xbox and lose your purpose in life. So Jesus came to turn on the lights and say, avoid these things because the world's in darkness. So what's the point that we're learning right here in verse 8? What or why is the world in darkness? Because it says the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Why is the world in darkness? Because people don't want Jesus. Today, American culture is saying we do not want Jesus. Every time you see your little movie star, you see your rapper tell a lie, you see him lust, you see them talk about taking things that do not belong to them, what they are saying is we do not want God. And they don't even understand what they do. That's why the Bible says the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But in the end, it leads to death. I want you all to see the next point that we're going to learn here. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. See, it gets quiet when I preach like this because I hope that you guys are thinking about what darkness your friends, your family may be in. What darkness you might have walked in here tonight in. 
And this simple gospel, the gospel of John, and I want to urge every one of you to read it over and over from the start to the end. Because I want you to get what Jesus is all about. Look with me in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. If you're there, can you say I'm there? It says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The Bible says God's wrath is coming across wicked people because they push down the truth. They don't want to listen to it. Their conscience is trying to tell them, Larry and Gary, it's not right, but they want to push down that truth. Do you see your friends out here trying to fight and be in gangs? They know it's wrong, but they want to smoke weed, and they want to push down that truth. People get into dark clubs and loud places so that they can push down the truth of sexual purity. Are you listening? Somebody say, I'm listening. They suppress the truth. Verse 19, since what may, may, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without what? What are men without? Everybody say, Excuse. The Bible says all you have to do is wake up and you can see the invisible qualities of God. You're saying, well, hold on, they're invisible. How do I see them? All you have to do is see why a tree is a tree. You may not understand all about evolution, but you can understand enough that it's a lie. How do you think we got here? Do you really think that you came from a monkey? Do you really think you and I, if we went to the zoo right now, do you really think you and I would have a lot in common with them? Do you think you and I use the bathroom the same as them? Do you think you and I take care of our children the same as them? Do you think you and I communicate the same as them? Man, I'll tell you what, people who think that's true need to go live with them. Amen? They need to go into the jungle and go live with their ancestors and convince themselves of how that works. They say, oh, we didn't come from a monkey. We came through an ape-like ancestor. And they try to find missing links, but that is a lie. I'm not saying that people purposely try to tell lies. The Bible just says that they deny the truth. They begin turning to ignorance. You know why? Because the moment that scientist has to acknowledge there's a God, he also has to acknowledge that that God has a plan for his life. Somebody say, light has come, but darkness remains. Let's go on now to point number two. John chapter 1, 12 through 13 Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Number nine, how do you receive Jesus? To all those who received him, comma, to those who believed in his name. How do you receive him? You believe in his name. Now, what does that mean to believe in his name? I believe in Abraham Lincoln. I know that the man lived. He never told a lie, you know. He, he did some great things here for our country, helped out in the Civil War, got slaves free, etc., etc. But believing in that name does not give me a right to his inheritance. I can't go up to the museum of the Lincoln Memorial, you know, in Washington, D.C., and say, hey, everybody, this belongs to me. Because I, I, I believe in this guy, so I get to take the statue home, and hey, I get to get some of his money. No. So what's the difference? When we believe in Jesus, we get the right to become children of God. And when you believe in him, it's a believing of surrendering your whole life. It's you saying, I'm not going to live for my name anymore. I live for his name. 
I'm not going to live just so I can go out and do what I want to do. I'm going to live for Him. If you put your faith in Jesus that way, you receive all He's got. And you know what He has? He has heaven. He has the kingdom of God on this earth inside your heart, who we're going to learn about later, the Holy Spirit. But you have to receive Him. Look at black right here. Without God, this is what happens. You're a child of darkness. Somebody says, hey, man, but I don't smoke crack, murder people, and have sex with little children, so I think I'm going to heaven. I always meet people like that. Saturday we'll go out witnessing, and we'll say, hey, man, do you know Jesus? Do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Yeah, I'll go to heaven. Why do you think you'll go to heaven? Because I don't kill anybody. I take care of my family. Like Jesus is going to get up there and go like, hey, here's all the people who didn't murder somebody. Give them all a hand clap. They're just so good, man. They didn't murder nobody. I know it was hard. You wanted to kill your little brother, and I know you wanted to kill people, but you're so good. You know what that would be like? That would be like you having a summer job or a job right now, and let's say you're working at the restaurant, the pizza place, and the guy says, look, I want you to make five pizzas. He comes back in two hours, and that one pizza made you got your hands crossed, and you're smiling, like, hey. And he's like, where's my pizzas? And you're like, boss, look, man, what I was doing here, man, is I didn't steal anything. That's what I did when I was here, boss. I need to get paid, man, because I didn't steal anything. And you know what, boss? I felt like cheating on your wife, but I didn't do that, man. Come on, I'm a good guy. And you know what? I felt like killing my coworker, and I didn't kill them, so I did pretty good. You know what the boss is going to say? You did nothing good. You just didn't do anything bad. Everyone watch me now. Watch me. Here comes the point. Here comes the little point. Connection. Here it is. God wants you to do more than just not kill anybody and do bad stuff. God actually wants you to get out and do good stuff. And listen to me. If you don't receive God and start doing some good stuff, living like you're a Christian, you will go to hell, not because you murdered people and because you like Marilyn Manson. You will go to hell because you rejected the only way out of this. You rejected Jesus Christ. If your boat sinks right now and you don't have a life jacket, you drown. Jesus is the only life jacket in this world. You say, oh, I don't think I would go to hell. If you have not received Christ, if you do not live like a Christian, you are going to hell right now. You don't have to wait till you kill anybody. You are going there right now. And I'm going to teach you that in John 3 when we get there. Number one, you're a child of darkness. Number two, living in unbelief. You might, you might say, I believe in Jesus, but you're just kind of playing. You're, like, you're like playing a little make-believe. You only believe in him on Sundays, Christmas, Easter, but you don't really believe in him when you're out there with your friends because you don't live like him. If you really believed in him, you wouldn't take his name in vain. If you really believed in him, you wouldn't lust after a girl. You'd begin to start changing. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. Come on, say it on this side. Say, I'm a child of God. Now say it on this side. Someone say, I'm a child of God. Now everybody say, say, I'm a child of God. I ought to live different. Right there. And you will die and suffer in eternity. But now watch. Number one, child of God is a child of light. Do you know that darkness is not a thing? Think about this. Darkness is not a thing. Have you ever held darkness in your hands? You can't hold darkness in your hand. You know what darkness is? It's the absence of a thing. Think about this. Whenever a light is not on, what comes on immediately? Darkness. You don't bring darkness into the room, but just once the light comes off, darkness is already there. So it's the absence of a thing. Watch this. The absence of Jesus in your heart is darkness. The absence of Jesus in your mind is darkness. 
But the moment Jesus comes in, you don't have to make yourself a better person. I didn't make myself quit smoking. I didn't make myself love and obey my parents. The moment light turns on, darkness has to leave. Anytime you are in the darkest room of your house, the pitch black part of your basement, if you just flick on a light, you just turn on a uh, flick a match, turn on a flashlight, immediately light shines. Jesus is saying, if you receive him, you become a child of light. God will turn your life around. He will change the way you think. He will take the darkness out your soul and he will give you his life because his life brings light. Is everybody with me? Oh, about two of you? I said his life brings life. Are y'all with me? Amen. His life brings... No, y'all didn't get it. I said his life brings light. His life brings what? Light. God turned the light on inside of me. Have you had the light turned on inside of you? Are you still walking in darkness? Let's all stand together. God bless you for coming tonight. Thank you for making Friday a time to worship Jesus to learn about him. I appreciate those of you that make this your church every single week. And for you, I'm going to preach this whole book of John. And some of our youth leaders who know that they're called to preach as well are going to begin to start preaching out of this same book because we want to show you it doesn't matter who you are, but you can begin to understand the Bible. How many understood the Bible? Can you say I? To summarize it all up. In the beginning was the Word, and His name is Jesus. He was with God the Father, and He's also God. He came and gave us light in the beginning and created all of these things, but we chose darkness. Then He Himself came and took on flesh and lived among us, and some people still didn't receive Him. He then died on the cross, took our punishment for all of our wicked deeds, And then now to those who receive him, get the right to be called his children. And now ending with an awesome part. Number verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Now because you receive him, brother, you can receive his blessings. When I went home, I received the blessings from my family. The food, the clothes, the love. You receive it now. Whatever blessing you need, you can begin to start to pray. Now, I'm not going to say he's your magical genie and he just gives you whatever you want, but he'll begin to meet your needs. He'll begin to take care of you. And then it says, for the law was given through Moses. So Moses taught us those Ten Commandments, which were good, which taught us not to kill, because I guess some people still don't get it, but that was good. But look what came through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. You know what grace is? Forgiveness for all of your mistakes. Who gave us that? Jesus. Because he died on the cross. He looked at all of Adam's mistakes, all the mistakes that Adam would make. You know what Jesus said to you, Adam? Way back before you were ever even born, you know what he said? I'll give you grace. Just believe in me. And I'll change your life. You know what he says to Lauren, to Yolanda, to Robert, to Junie? You know what he says? All the mistakes you've ever made, I'm going to give you grace. Do you receive that today? Do you receive the grace of God? Now, the second thing that he gives you is truth. 
Remember when we were all in darkness, we didn't know who to marry. We didn't know how to live. We didn't know how to, how to be to our parents, how to be towards our family. You know what Jesus begins to do? Gives us truth. This marriage ring right here is so real for me because I married the one that God said was true. Love. This is true love. You know my job right now? It's a job. I mean, it's a great job. It's a ministry but I got a great job because it's my true calling. Are you living in truth or are you living a lie? You trying to live like that television show or that singer, that rapper, or are you living in truth? And the good thing is, is when we mess up trying and doing what God wants us to do, guess what we can go back to? Grace. Grace says, man, I forgive you. But that's only a right to those who receive him and believe in him. Can you say Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me all over this place tonight? Come on. All over this place, every head bowed and eyes closed. Thank you for coming here tonight. You've had the opportunity. No moving around. Please stay where you are just for the next few moments. You've had the opportunity tonight to hear the message of the gospel preached. You've actually heard it word for word for 18 verses. And I want to start off with the first question. Have you received Jesus Christ? With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you have not received Jesus Christ, then what that means is you need to be born again. You see, in that first chapter, it says you will be born of God. But later on in chapter 3, Jesus says you have to be born again. And I like using that term, born again, because everybody can say, well, I'm born of God because, you know, I'm a human being. You know, I'm here. I'm born of God. God gave me my life. No, 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 no. Help you understand it more. This is not what your mom and dad gave you. This is a spiritual birth. Have you been born again? You were born the first time by your parents in a physical body. But have you been born again in your spirit by Jesus Christ? And if you don't know if you have, you haven't. No one has to tell me when I was born again. I was born again November 5th, 1995. I came to Jesus with drugs in my pocket, living with a woman I wasn't married to, high school dropout, incarcerated eight times, and my mother said, Jesus will change you. He will give you the right to be his child, but you've got to receive him. I cussed her out. She said she was never going to talk to me again. A few hours later, I came back home and at that kitchen table, I said, Mom, I'm tired of living it my way. I'm tired of trying to do life my way. I'll give Jesus a chance. And the moment I did, He came into my heart. And I knew that I knew and I still know that at that moment I was born of God. Hallelujah. Some of you here today have not had that experience. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Right now I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you in this room, I want you to raise your hand in just a few moments. But first, I'm going to pray. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, the Word, who came down and was made flesh for us. I come to you, Father, and I ask that those that are still living in darkness, that, God, they live in an ignorant way and they live according to their own sinful desires. God, I pray that they won't be embarrassed or ashamed, but, Lord, they'll admit who they are and come to you and receive your Son, Jesus, today. And, Father, as they receive Jesus, I know you will make them new. They will be born of you. They'll know that they know they've been changed. So I pray that they do it, Father, in his name, in the Word's name, in Jesus' name. 
With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you came here tonight and you would say, Pastor Joe, I need to be born of God. I need to receive Jesus and be born again. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Raise your hands if that's you. No looking around. Come on. Hands going up all over this place. There's more in here. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Who else today would say, Pastor, I need to be born of God. I need my life to change. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me, especially those who raise their hands. This prayer won't save you, but a heart to God will. I'm just going to teach you how to open your heart. But you can't just rely on these words, my friend. But when I teach you this prayer, you open your heart to God. And in your own words, begin to give Him your life. And we're all going to pray with you today. And if it means something to you, it will mean something to God. Come on, everybody pray this with me, and especially those who raise their hands. We're going to all receive Jesus again, some for the first time. Everybody say this with me. Dear Jesus, come on, you're playing around. Come on, somebody say, Dear Jesus, I come to you tonight because I have lived in darkness, but I come to you because you are the light.